right, well, it is so good to be with all of you. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Tommy, and I'm one of the pastors here at Joy. I'd like to take a moment to welcome those of you who are joining us online and say thank you to all of you for joining us live right here in St. Cloud. So today is the 4th of July, Independence Day. And just like most of our national holidays, there is quite a rich and colorful history when it comes to Independence Day. For instance, it was on July 2nd, 1776, that the members of the Continental Congress came together and voted for independence. John Adams later that day would write his wife a letter and say, this day will be celebrated for generations to come. People will come together, they'll have parties, they'll play games, they'll have parades, and they'll even have bonfires. Is anyone a fan of bonfires, fires at night? Fires during the day just aren't, aren't as much fun. So he said, everyone will come together and this will happen from one end of the continent to the other on July 2nd. Two days later, on July 4th, the delegates from the 13 colonies came together and decided to adopt the Declaration of Independence. A year later, in Philadelphia, 1777, we had our first ever 4th of July celebration. It is reported that John Adams and Thomas Jefferson would routinely turn down opportunities to attend July 4th celebrations or even speak at these gatherings because they believed the true day that should be celebrated is actually July 2nd. Isn't that interesting? What I found even more interesting, and this is crazy, it's, it's kind of funny, history, you can't make it up. John Adams and Thomas Jefferson both passed away on the same exact day, July 4th, 1826. And I thought to myself, you just can't make that stuff up. This is crazy. 50 years after the birth of our nation. Well, according to them, 50 years and two days after the birth of our nation, they both passed away on the same day. Not that anyone dying is funny, but that is pretty ironic to me. So as far as my personal history with the 4th of July, it started out with these things, sparklers. I don't know if any of you are a fan of sparklers, but my parents decided at my early age, their early parenting days, that this would be a safe firework type of deal for me to have. Now, the reason why these are so popular is because you can light them and then run around with them. You can chase people, uh, you know, do different things. You twirl them in the air, all this type of stuff. Do all kinds of fun things, and ideally, you're not supposed to get hurt. So I brought these in, and our sound technician today, he goes, you're not lighting those in here, are you? <laughs> I was like, no, no, not today. But these are for sale for $150 because you probably can't find them anywhere today. So just let me know. I'm, I'm kind of joking about that. So that's how my 4th of July kind of celebration started for me. A few years later, I was with some friends, and we had a different type of 4th of July firework fun celebration, and it looked more dangerous than a sparkler. And we're all standing around, and the one guy is like, hey, we should light this. And I thought, okay. And he lights it, and we're all just standing around in this same circle. 
And this thought comes to me, is this one of those things that you're supposed to light and run away? And you just leave that thing there? Or are we just supposed to stand here and this just does something fun? Well, it did something not so fun. It just boom. And I couldn't hear that well for a few days. Um, my kids might wonder if I, if I have recovered from that hearing uh, that, that took place, uh, that hearing disability for that, that few moments. But I realized that fireworks could be slightly dangerous. This, this is something that you got to be careful with. So many years later, Angela and I had the privilege of going to New York City over the 4th of July. I don't know if I'd recommend it because there is a ton of, ton, ton, ton of people there. Uh, obviously, this is pre-COVID. You might be able to go there and you could be the only one now. But back then, it was really, really packed. Uh, we climbed up the top of like an apartment building. We were able to do this. We were given permission just so you know. So we climbed up on top of the, the roof of this building and we were, we were able to watch the fireworks display. It was very interesting because it was the same display displayed in four different locations across the coastline of New York City and was watching it, thought it was amazing, very cool. But the one 4th of July situation that really sticks out to me has to do with bottle rockets. Has anyone ever used bottle rockets before? All right, a few people. They are outlawed in some places uh, of our country, like you can't get them, can't sell them. Uh, and if you have them, you probably shouldn't use them. In other places, you can do whatever you want with them. So this, this situation took place at a, at a location where I could do kind of whatever I wanted with them, or at least I could be by, by my friends, and they were doing whatever they wanted to do with them. So after the 4th of July fireworks in our town, we all gathered together somewhere out in the country, and we were just hanging out. People had fireworks. I still had my sparklers and, uh, you know, waving them around, that type of thing, and, and I was really cool back then. So... Uh, Everyone is, is doing fireworks. Well, then the bottle rockets came out. And this is one of those things that you light and then walk away, and then it shoots up in the air, explodes, life is great and fun, and then you do it over and do it over and do it over and do it over again. Well, one person, not me, had an idea of putting a whole bunch of bottle rockets all tied together and we'll light it up and see what happens and see if it will look like a 4th of July fireworks display. We all thought this was a great idea, so we got a bigger container, tied all the bottle rockets together, lit it, and we walked away this time. So we walk away, we're watching the fuse burn, and the cup tipped over, <laughs> facing us. All of a sudden, the great idea was no longer fun. I, I honestly, not, not for drama purposes, I don't know where I ran, I, I'm not sure what I said, but I'm pretty sure I was screaming and running in whatever direction I thought I could, bumping into each other. There was quite a few of us. We knew this was not a good situation, but we survived. It was fine. No one got hurt. Yeah, freedom. You know, we, we were so excited. So we didn't do that again, but one of my friends, not me, decided we're going to light bottle rockets and hold them this time. And as the fuse gets closer to the boom part, we're going to throw them in the air. And they're going to just spin, and then they're going to go in whatever direction we are. So we're standing in this circle, and, and my friend lights it, 
And you know that thought where you think this is not a good idea, but you're still there. You're still there because you want to be a part of the fun. So he throws it in the air and shoots off. And, and, you know, it was a lot of fun because no one got hurt. A lot of fun because no one got hurt. We kept doing it over and over again till my friend who was lighting the bottle rockets had one explode in his girlfriend's face. She wasn't hurt, but she wanted to hurt her boyfriend <laughs> very badly. So... We decided at that point, you know, this isn't a good idea. We'll just put that to rest. And that's kind of my 4th of July fireworks highlights uh, as I look back over my life. Now, here's the thing. When I look back at that bottle rocket situation, I realized we never read the directions. We never read actually what you're supposed to do with bottle rockets. We had an idea, but they talk about don't aim it towards houses don't aim them towards trees, and do not aim them towards people. And we thought, well, we aimed a whole bunch of them towards people. So we didn't read the directions. And if we did read the directions, I actually don't think it would have mattered. We probably would have done the same exact thing. Now, here's the thing. Because we weren't paying attention, we weren't reading our directions, someone could have seriously gotten hurt. Because while we were celebrating freedom, we were misusing our freedom. We were gathered together, yeah, America. Back then it was still America, not America. I don't know why we dropped the A, but Pluto's no longer a planet. So, uh, you know, so back then it was still America. America, you know, as we're doing things we're not supposed to do. We're celebrating freedom, but we're misusing our freedom. And I came to this realization that freedom is not an okay to be reckless. It's not an okay to be reckless. It's actually a chance to be responsible. Pastor Brian has mentioned several times, when you get the car keys, that doesn't mean you get to go and do and be and go wherever you want to go. It doesn't work that way. Sure, there's an element of freedom when you get the car keys, but there's a greater amount of responsibility when you have the car keys in your hand. And if you don't use freedom how you are supposed to, that freedom can very easily be taken away. If we were to look back at the story of Adam and Eve, I'm sure many of you are familiar with this. God told Adam, you are free. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden except this one. You are free you are free to not be reckless, but free to be responsible. You're free to not be reckless. You're free to be responsible. And we know what took place after that. They got a little reckless. They did some things that they weren't supposed to do. And that freedom to eat from any tree in the garden was then actually taken away from them. So if you can misuse a bottle rocket, you can misuse freedom. And if you can misuse freedom, it's possible you can misuse your life. So in that reality, what decisions do we need to make to make sure that we use our freedom as it's intended? Now that's quite simple. The answer is you look up the directions 
If you want to know how to use something, you look up the directions. But how many of us like looking up the directions? Not all of us. Because we're smarter. We know you light it over here and then it goes boom. But is that something you run five feet away from? Is that something you run 20 feet away from? There's fireworks that spin around like this. There's some that go up in the air. There's all kinds. Some of them just make noise. But if you don't look at the directions and actually take the directions to heart, you're potentially going to use it in a way you're never supposed to, and you can get hurt. Freedom is a very awesome and beautiful thing, but if you use your freedom in a reckless manner, others could get hurt, you could get hurt, and ultimately lose the freedom that we were so excited about. So you got to look up the directions. In Galatians chapter 5, which is primarily where we're going to be focusing today. It says in verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. If you are wondering why Jesus went to the cross, if you are wondering why Jesus would go through all of the, the torture that he went through, the crown of thorns, the whipping of his back, the lashes, the persecution, if you're wondering why he would do all of those things, it's to give you and I Freedom. Freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free so that you and I don't have to hold on to the baggage of our past. We don't have to hold on to shame. We don't have to hold on to regret. We don't have to hold on to the sin that has come our way or the sin that we have dived into. We don't have to hold on to the evil and the problems of our past because Jesus did the work to set us free, but not so we can do whatever we want. It's not a freedom that we can be reckless with. Jesus gave us freedom so that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can actually live out the life that God has planned for us. But I want you to understand something. You cannot, to my understanding, fulfill the perfect plan God has for you as long as you are enslaved and bound to sin and shame and regret. It does not work that way. Can you go to work feeling guilty and shamed? shamed? Yep. Can you raise kids while feeling ashamed of your past? Yep. Can you come to church feeling terrible about yourself or the decisions you made yesterday? Yep. Can you retire successfully? Yep. But will you fulfill the perfect plan God has for you while you're holding on to all the stuff that Christ set you free from? That is an absolute no. You can maybe see some of it. You could see a picture of it. You could see a pixel of the life that God is wanting to give you. But as long as you're holding on to the things that Christ came to die for, to free you from, It's not going to be there for you. He also freed us from the idea that we need to work to earn that salvation. He freed us from the idea that we need to be something in order for God to look down and smile upon us. We need to, to meet these standards. We need to do this and not do that so that Jesus would love us, that God would look with favor for, to us, and that is not what 
we're supposed to do because Jesus freed us from that responsibility. He freed us from needing to think I need to be good enough for God. But it goes on and it says this, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. If standing and living in the freedom that Christ gave us is supposed to be easy, then why would we be told to stand firm? If, if maintaining the freedom that Christ gave us was supposed to be something that we could just walk around with and everything would be hunky-dory, whatever hunky-dory means, why then are we told to stand firm? See, the reality is temptation comes our way all the time. Temptation comes, so we won't talk about you, we'll talk about me. Temptation comes my way when I bring my son to the gun range and some guy three lanes over has a monster of a gun that, oh, man, if I could just have that, I would be so much more happy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Temptation comes when you go to a grad party and the guy or woman of that house has a better boat than you have. Oh. Temptation comes your way when you can't go to sleep at night so you're watching TV and it's like, oh, I don't want to watch SportsCenter for the fifth time in a row. Oh, but that's on. Temptation comes our way all the time, but hear me, temptation isn't sin. Jesus himself was tempted. It is the diving into those things. It's being envious of the other person. It's being jealous. It's being ungrateful. It's doing something you're not supposed to do. And what we're told here in Galatians is stand firm in the freedom that Christ gave you because it's going to be attacked every single day. Whether we know it or not, freedom in America is being attacked every single day. If Christ came to give us freedom, what does evil want to do? What does the devil want to do? And whether you look at some person or some entity and see that as evil or wrong or not, we have varying opinions. But the reality is the devil doesn't like freedom because Jesus gave it to us. And if we don't hold on to it, stand firm in it, if we misuse it, we could lose it. Now, here's an interesting thing. When we do that wrong thing, when we get jealous, when we get envious, when we get filled with pride, <laughs> my boat's bigger than your boat. Well, guess what? Someone's got a bigger one than you. That's just kind of how that works. <laughs> then we start feeling guilty. And you know what we do? We come to church and maybe we throw a little bit more money in the offering. Or we're feeling guilty and ashamed for how we lived our life when we were younger and we want to try to make up for that. So then we start serving. Or, oh, I'm so terrible. I, I, uh, I, I got to lead a small group to try to make up for the wrong things that I'm currently doing. 
And what we're doing is we're taking a natural human response and trying to deal with something spiritually, and it does not work that way. When you are in trouble with your spouse, there's this natural human response of like, here's flowers, here's a gift, let's go out to dinner. I'm so sorry. You can pick out the Hallmark movie tonight. You could do this, you could do, I'm so sorry. We are trying to make up the gap that we lost because we did something wrong. And we, when we approach Jesus or the things of God in that way, what we are doing is saying, Jesus, your sacrifice wasn't enough. I made the mistake and now I am trying to make up for it. There is no making up for our mistakes. We, we can't make up for our mistakes in a way that we don't need Jesus' sacrifice in our life. He did the work. He paid the price. He did what needed to be done. He presented the gift of freedom to us and all we need to do is take hold of it and stand firm in it. We have a temptation to run off and do the things we're not supposed to do and then we have the temptation to try to make up for the wrong things we've done rather than getting on our knees just saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think God would much rather have our heart than the work we think he needs us to do. And I think if God was given our heart, then God's like, okay, we can take steps from there. We'll get to that point. We'll, we'll get there. Just give me your heart. Just give me your heart. Galatians keeps rolling. It says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. You were called to be free. You should be free. If you're sitting here today, if you're watching online, or a few days from now, if you're watching online, if you are not free in this moment in time, you're living beneath your privilege. If we're called to be free, and yet we're, we're enslaved by fear, and we're enslaved by regret, and we're, we're hindered by the shame of the things that we have done five years ago, last night, two weeks ago, we're not living in the freedom that Jesus or God has called us to live, meaning we're living beneath our privilege. We're not living where we're supposed to be. We're walking around like, spiritually, while we're trying to suck it in and be all strong physically. We're told, don't live beneath your privilege. You, my brothers and sisters, now, now, hear me, this is, this is a, an interesting uh, point in the sense of you, my brothers and sisters, you fellow followers of Jesus. You were called to be free, so don't be living underneath that. There are plenty of people that are not following God. 
that are not following Jesus. They feel the shame, the regret, and the pain. And you know what? They can't do anything about it. They can't take care of it. They can't deal with it. They can't put it aside. Why? Because they have yet to come to the understanding of what Jesus can do for them. But what ends up happening as fellow Christians, we live this life and we forget We forget that moment when we realized, I don't have to carry this. For those of you that, to some degree, lived a life however you wanted and then came to a knowledge of what Jesus has done for you later in life, you have a great perspective of what life was like before you knew who Jesus was. There are many other people that grew up in church, grew up knowing about God, grew up in all these things, and many times they don't understand the distinction of what life is like without Jesus and what life is like with Jesus. And that can sometimes be disregarded and set aside, can be taken for granted just like freedom because, well, you know, I did something wrong, Jesus forgive me. I did something wrong. Jesus, forgive me. We, grew, we grow up knowing that type of stuff, but yet we fail to hold on to the truth of what it's actually supposed to do for us. We're called to be free. And, and please see this as an encouragement. If you're not free today, you're living beneath your privilege. That's what God wants for you. That's the work Jesus has already done for you. We just need to take it and embrace it. Keeps going. It says again, you, my brothers and sisters, were, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. You have this freedom. Do not misuse it. You have this freedom. Do not misuse it. In America, we have this thing called freedom of speech. I tend to think that that freedom of speech gets misused. Long before the misuse of the freedom of speech ever is on a news channel, that misuse of speech happened in our homes. The misuse of speech happened in here because it's something we think but we would never say. But then we say. And then we don't care who hears because I have the freedom of speech. Regardless of how you see things politically, and I have been wrestling with with how to communicate this clearly, the freedom of protest, I believe, has been misused. And I I am careful to say that because many times as as Christians and, and believers, we all tend to think, right, Pastor? We all think and view things the same way. Many of us don't. Freedom. That's freedom. But 
I have this understanding when I view things that that's, that's a misuse of freedom. That's the misuse of what was intended to be. But just like the misuse of free speech, that misuse of protests started long before we are ever on screens on a, on a TV. And there is all kinds of other... I was talking with, with Angela, my bride, about this, that there is, there is a liberty... And a, and a freedom that we have. And, and then there's also this pursuit of happiness that we are free. You're free to pursue happiness. Well, what happens when your pursuit of happiness and my pursuit of happiness don't correlate? What happens when what you view as something that would make you happy makes me angry? Well, then who has to check their bags who has, to, who has to submit? Who has to give up their side so that someone else can pursue the happiness they feel they deserve and they're supposed to have? And that's all great and fun when it is your way. It's not so great and fun when it's the opposite of how you view things or how you want things. Well, I'm free in America to pursue my happiness. And we, we come to this conclusion that maybe there should be this overriding principle, this overriding moral compass, i.e. God's word, that should rein some of those pursuits in as far as this is a healthy pursuit, this is not a healthy pursuit. You are free to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. That was written in black and white many, many, many years ago. Not everything is beneficial. So sure, you might be free, teenagers, to slam your door when you're upset, But that's not going to be beneficial. So we have all of these freedoms. And yet, oftentimes, they can be very easily misused. And as a result, we can end up losing the freedoms we were not given easily. There was a price that was paid. Galatians 5.13, so a little further, there's a word, rather. I find it so interesting that people's perspective of, of, of followers of Jesus, Christians, people's perspective of, of Jesus, it, it's, it's all the things you're not supposed to do. All, don't do this, don't do that, don't hang out with those that do. Don't be, don't be doing fireworks late at night, throwing bottle rockets in the air. Don't, don't do this. Don't do that. And, and we skip over these rather moments. And, and sometimes, sometimes we do that even as followers of Christ because it's easier 
to not do the don'ts than it is to do the do's. It's it's far easier to gauge who we are in relation to Jesus because, well, I haven't killed anyone. I didn't run over a grandma. I didn't, I didn't kick the dog. I didn't do like, like, it's far easier to measure ourselves according to Jesus of all the things Jesus didn't do. We stack up better than when it comes to, oh, there's these do things. There's these rather moments. There's transitions of, yes, don't do these things. Stop doing this, but rather do. Oh, you know, it, I wonder how many, how many, how many wives have made a, a honey don't do list. It'd be long. <laughs> we, we do these, these honey-do lists. Why do we need the honey-do? Oh, this is good stuff. I hope. Why do we get a honey-do list? Because the doing doesn't come naturally. The, the don'ts almost come more naturally. It's like, Angela doesn't have to tell me all the things. Don't do. Don't do. Don't do. There's, there's some occasional reminders of, honey, do this. Because we get so focused on the not doing. So that is not the way the Bible reads. That is not the way Jesus taught. I'd be interested to know if Jesus talked more about doing than the not doing. I would tend to think he probably did. But many people don't like that because in that day and age, the most spiritual people in the face of the planet, were, were based off of all of the things they did not do. Oh, I have the whole Old Testament memorized, and I can quote it. There wasn't chapters and verses then. I could quote it by, don't ask me to do it. Well, I could quote it. I could tell you all about it. Tell you all the things I don't do. You, you do realize that the Ten Commandments has a certain amount of don't do's, but then it has a certain amount of the other side. Praise Jesus. Rather, rather, rather serve one another humbly in love. Serve one another humbly in love. I was looking for a definition of serve. Now, Many of it is like your waiter, waitress, and I don't know if there's a, a better term for them now. The person that brings you food and then you get the responsibility slash freedom to then tip them. It says, a dedication and commitment to helping others to, to a better life, to a higher standard. It demands that the giver or server has the benefit of others as their priority. So when we are told to serve one another, that means we get the responsibility of helping others to a better life. That's what we get to do when we serve. When, when you get to come here and you serve, whether that's in kids or, or maybe uh, here in adult ministry or small groups or one of the other things, when you get the, 
the opportunity to serve. You are helping someone to a better life. And you're saying, your feelings, your heart is my priority. And then it says, do this in love. It's not just enough to do it, do it humbly or to serve. I want you to do it in love. Angela and I, I, I like pointing out to Angela when, when I, I make this like little fruit bowl thing for her and I tell her, this was done out of love. Feel the love. There are some times it's not done in love. It's done in, oh, I don't want to go in the kitchen and pull all the grapes and cut the strawberries and put it in water and rinse it and then put it, I don't want to do the, oh. She knows it still tastes good. <laughs> tastes better. Everything tastes better when it's made in love. It, if, if serving, someone serving you is received better when it's done out of love as opposed to, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway because I feel I have to or feel like I'm responsible to. No, you have the freedom to serve one another in love. Then it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. We, again, we're, we're talking about the do's now. We're talking about all the things that we're told to do. We focus so much on trying to love our neighbors and we forgot the first part. Do you love your neighbor as you love yourself? We have entered a long, long time ago here in America and across the world a struggle to love yourself. A struggle to look at yourself and say, thank you, Jesus, for who I am, who I'm created to be. Thank you for blessing me with this life. Thank you for the opportunity to exercise freedom today. We have a, we have a problem with loving ourselves and we wonder why we struggle with loving our neighbor. Well, it's because we forgot the... We, we forgot the first do. The loving the neighbor is a result of loving yourself. And if you can't love yourself and who God has made you to be, how can you love and fully appreciate helping someone else, serving someone else so they can be what God wants them to be? You're, you're in a sense saying, I want you to go places I have not gone. It is far easier for you to love another if you love yourself. And that seems so anti-America right now. You can't love yourself. That's pride. That's arrogance. That's this. That's that. You can't love yourself. That's terrible. No, no. What that is, that's the Spirit of God. And begin, again, because God said, love yourself. There's no room for that in society. There's no room for that in America. It's all about others first. That's a great principle. But if you can't love this, you're going to limit your ability to love another. He goes on to say, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. 
And I thought to myself, there's a, there's a process here. When, when, you, when a dog or some bites, it's like, leave me alone. Stop it. Whatever you did, don't do it anymore. Well, then, if you don't listen to that, well, then that dog's angry. I gave you the warning, but you didn't listen. Well, now I'm, now I'm hauling after you. There's a problem here. Now we're, at, we're in a battle. And I find it so interesting that, you know, over this last year and a half, but please, please don't elevate this last year and a half. These struggles have been real for a long time. This, is, this has just been an excuse that people have used to be able to let loose and do things they wouldn't otherwise do. You came at me, I'm coming at you. Well, you bit me and now I bit, I bit you. Well, now we're in a battle. And if we're not careful, we could destroy each other. So here's an interesting thing. If we could be responsible for destroying each other, we also have the opportunity to build each other up. If, if you have the opportunity to just wreak havoc and rawr at your family gatherings, you also have the opportunity slash responsibility slash freedom to really bring about positive and great things. It's an equal power. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, we're skipping ahead. It says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. As we have freedom, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to the family of believers. Several weeks ago, Angela and I went to Culver's. All my favorite stories kind of, kind of start with that, Culver's. So we're standing in Culver's and there's some Army National Guard soldiers standing in front of us in line. Angela leans over to me and she goes, I think we should pay for their meal. And I said, you're right, I was thinking the same thing. And it's always helpful when we're on the same page. Always helpful when we're on the same page. I say, you're right. So I'm standing there and I'm contemplating, so how, what is the easiest way to do this? And as I'm contemplating that, three or four more Army National Guard soldiers enter into Culver's. <laughs> and they aren't standing behind us. They walk up and join their buddies in front of us. And Angela turns around, looks at me like, what you gonna do now? <laughs> and a few things entered my mind. One was, I'm standing here. I'm standing here. And then I thought, where did you come from? Were all of you in the bathroom? Were you in the, where did you come from? And then I thought, which we're all there, how much is this now going to cost? Call. 
But now I'm committed. We had an agreement. Angela and I looked at each other. Yep, I'm thinking the same thing, thinking the same thing. This is the right thing to do. But that doing good to all people just increased by three or four. Gal! So I'm thinking, what do I do? So, so as they go to order, I walk up and lay down some cash on the counter. And I said, I have no idea if this is going to cover everyone, but I wanted to help you guys out, give you a free meal, hopefully. And then Angela and I went on our way and ordered our food, and we're sitting down as a family with our kids. And then one of the soldiers came back and gave me the change. I thought, I didn't expect that. I didn't, I didn't even think it was going to be enough. The first guy orders this big meal, a concrete mixer, onion rings, and I'm thinking, you are living above your privilege. <laughs> Go. But I got change back, and that so blessed my heart, being able to bless them because I think they should be blessed. <laughs> I think there's a freedom we have to bless those that fight for our freedom. And I was honored to do that. What if, what if we all live that way? What if we all, as we were given opportunity I'm not paying for everyone's culvers every day. As we are given opportunity, we work towards blessing all people. That, I think, is using freedom, how freedom was intended. Not only for here in America, there's a higher calling on those a part of the kingdom of God. Let's live with that freedom. Close your eyes, bow your heads. If you are here today, and I'm not going to embarrass you, but there is a part of a freedom that you have here that some countries, that, that is not there. If you are here today and you are not currently living in the freedom that Christ has given you, whether you're struggling with something, fear or shame, or maybe you have yet to take that step of saying, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I want to take upon myself the gift that you have given me and live in the freedom you have given me, not to do whatever I want, but to do what you would call me to do. If, if you are living beneath your privilege today, and you're saying, Jesus, I know you've done the work but I want to and need to see that more in my life. And I acknowledge that I need your help to do it. Not going to embarrass you, just want you to stretch out your hand so I can pray for you. Is there anyone? See that hand, you can put it down. Is there anyone else that's saying, I'm living with things that Christ has freed me from? And I want to take upon that. Is there anyone else? All right, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today the opportunity we have to live in this beautiful country, the land of the free. Lord, may we understand there's a greater possibility we could have been born anywhere else than right here in America. God, may we not take those freedoms of our country for granted, and may we most importantly not take the freedoms you've given us 
for granted or misuse them. So Lord, as we endeavor to live in the freedom that you've given us, Lord, may we see the picture that you have for our life revealed right in front of us. Lord, may we live out the plan that you have called us to live. And may we be thankful for the opportunity that we are free to bless others all along the way. Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you, Lord, for fresh starts. In your glorious and holy name, amen.